We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl i am joined once again by the one and only alex strofe you can follow him on twitter at alex underscore strofe and the even better Perry Goldstein, you can follow her on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Alex Perry, how the heck are you? Worse than Perry. Yeah, <laughs> really. we all we've we've known. We've all everyone's assumed and known. We're just we're putting it out there in the ether now. I can't argue. <laughs> Perry, Alex, you're here? wonderful. Don't let Andy tell you otherwise. I, I didn't Thank say he was Perry. bad. I just said <laughs> I'm the one and only though. So I'll take it. I'm good, Andy. Uh, it is game week. That's that's bananas to me. It's it's officially here. First preseason game on Friday. So I'm amped up. Yeah, that is super exciting. And Alex, you you were you were recognized for your your pack a day contributions recently uh, in Madison. Like so somebody noticed you in person. You're like, you're Alex Strofe of the Pack a Day podcast. Yeah. So I was I was at a, a wedding for an ESPN Madison coworker. We were actually in the Eau Claire area, and so I figured you know he might be a fan of the fan of the station. He goes from the Pack a Day. You Perry and Andy. I was like, oh yeah, nice. And then we we chatted about Pack a Day podcast. Said some said some super mean stuff about you guys behind your back, and then we went on our merry way. That sounds, sounds about perfect. right. Yeah, sounds exactly right. 
All right, we're going to do some training camp factor fiction, which I'm super excited about. I'm going to give you guys 10 statements that you're going to decide if they are true or false based on what we know so far from the first two weeks of training camp and your best estimations of where this Packers team is heading right now. But before we get there, we have to pay our respects to the one and only Danny Etling, who unfortunately is no longer with the team. They went into training camp with four quarterbacks. Matt LaFleur is basically said in the past that it's really difficult to take four quarterbacks into training camp just because there's not enough snaps to go around. You could already tell like Sean Clifford, Alex Magoo, Danny Etling, they're sort of fighting for any of those number two, three, four snaps that they can possibly get after Jordan Love takes the vast majority of the reps with the ones. Um, Etling ultimately released Sean Clifford has had a pretty nice training camp so far. Alex Magoo obviously won an MVP uh, in his most recent stint with the USFL. And they clearly think that they may have found something there, at least as a developmental player, maybe a practice squad player. But Perry, thoughts on the release of Danny Etling? I don't know. They were never going to go into the season with four and uh, feels like Goody likes to keep his draft picks and Etling's kind of old. So just made sense. I just like wasn't that surprised. Um, I guess the only thing is he like knows the playbook better. But what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, at this point, like you hope none of them are playing. So. Right. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I was just a little bit surprised by the timing, I guess, right? Obviously, we, we haven't gotten to a preseason game yet, but it, it wasn't super shocking to me. I think Perry's point on him being, obviously, other than Love, the longest tenured Packer uh, was a little surprising to me, but uh, obviously, Sean Clifford has been impressive, which is, I, I'll be the first one to say it. I, I, I was the first hater of that draft pick. If he's been impressing, I'm happy. And Perry's point, again, on, on the draft picks is important, but... I'm excited to see what this uh, Alex for first off great first name Alex Magoo has and I assume we'll see quite a bit of him on, on Friday so I, I don't know much about him outside of he won the USFL MVP but uh, the timing was a little odd but uh, I mean it's it's nothing earth breaking. Yeah, I think the 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 rotation at quarterback is going to be really interesting. We'll see how much they play Jordan, and then I would expect Clifford to get a solid two-plus quarters potentially, yeah. I guess unless Love plays a half, which I don't expect to happen. I would say probably Love – two series maybe a quarter and then like Clifford two plus quarters and then I think Magoo maybe gets a couple series maybe a series or two would be my guess but we'll see it'll be really interesting to see how they divvy that up but that's just like the point right there right like we're already trying to do like dissect of like all right Jordan's gonna get this many and then you really need to play Sean Clifford because he's a rookie and more of your developmental player and then you probably want to see a little of Alex Magoo and it's like oh well the game's over and there's not much left for any other quarterback right and I think when you looked at this roster, it was one of the things that would like just struck me in the offseason. I was looking at it and I'm like, they've only got four guys over the age of 28 on the roster. You've got Devondre um, and then you've got uh, David Bakhtiari. It doesn't matter. We don't need to go through all of them, but there's four guys over the age of 28. Right. And then recently, the guy who turned 29 was Danny Etling. And so he was the fifth oldest player on the roster. And you're like, man, like you, you probably need to be at, at minimum, like the number two quarterback, if you're going to stay on this roster at this point. And if you don't think you have that, like he's not an upside play, right? He's 29 years old. It's not all of a sudden like Danny Etling's going to find like, Oh my goodness. Like he's all of a sudden playing at a pro bowl level. Like that's just not going to happen. Like his upside is maybe a number two quarterback. 
and your upside for Sean Clifford's higher. It's higher for Alex Magoo. And he's 29 years old. The other guys are younger, cheaper, you know, um, and, and yeah, just the smarter play at this point. So not super surprised. I, I wish nothing but the best for Danny Etling moving forward. But uh, I think the timing was right as they start going into preseason. There's just not enough snaps to go around for four guys. I, I think, if anything, this gives you the indication, uh, to Perry's earlier point on the draft pick, is, is Sean Clifford's going to be the backup, right? I mean, I mean, Etling, I thought, would compete for that job a little bit longer than before the first preseason game. But, I, I mean, if it's any indication of anything, it's they believe in Sean Clifford to be their backup. That's it. And just if they've to, seen what Danny Etling has, right? Like, he, to the exactly. counterpoint, of he's been with the team, right? Like, he's been with the team. Like, they, they right. know what he right. is. And they're just like, we have two other guys that we want to see more of. Just because it was going to bother me, Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith, David Bakhtiari, and Pat O'Donnell, the four players. Over Pat O'Donnell. Yeah, so that's why I keep talking about the punter with Daniel Whelan. Like, are they really going to keep a third? Like, O'Donnell's the oldest player on the roster, by the way, at 32 years old. So, like – Ancient. I know, ancient. I mean, I can't even imagine being that old. So, yeah, poor Pat O'Donnell. Hey, me neither, Andy. Me neither. <laughs> but Alex Strofe, you you stole my opening question. So we'll, we'll go into our fact or fiction portion here. So I'm going to go through 10 questions or 10 statements for you guys. And you guys can decide if they are fact or fiction or not. So Danny Etling is gone. They still have Alex Magoo, Sean Clifford, and obviously Jordan Love at, the, at quarterback on the roster. They could always bring someone in that's maybe a little bit more veteran later in the process. But Alex, it seems like you are pretty set on this. Sean Clifford will be QB number two, fact or fiction. Alex, you can start since you already stole the question or the statement. Well, in my defense, I didn't know this question was coming because I've seen none of these 10 questions, and I have no idea what I'm going to be answering on the program today. But, uh, yes, it's a fact. I think that the only – Andy, you're going to love what I'm about to say. I think the only exception to this rule is if the Jets happen to cut your favorite player of all time in Tim Boyle – and they don't love what the Sean Clifford produces in the preseason, and they think they can stash him on the practice squad and bring in Tim Boyle just because of the familiarity. But I will say fact, Sean Clifford will be the backup quarterback. Perry, fact or fiction? Fact, yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know enough about Alex Magoo. I didn't even know that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, <laughs> but I think given that they, like, spent a draft pick on Sean Clifford just, and he's been running with the twos is like a good enough indication for me that that's how they feel about him. Yeah. And I totally agree. I'm fact on this one as well. I just, there, what are you going to do? Bring in Joe Flacco at the end of training camp as like a veteran. Like what is, what does that ultimately do for you in the long run? You've got a a nice player who looks like a NFL quarterback. Now, whether that's a a ceiling as a number two, that that's fine. Uh, I I mean, you know, this this is another like synergy between the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre sagas and everything like this is the, this is the Matt Flynn, like the Sean Clifford is the Matt Flynn in this, in this journey that we are going through. And and time is a flat circle with this quarterback. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Sean Clifford, but I do think there's enough upside there. I think he's has a good enough grasp of the offense. And I think he needs the, the snaps with the number twos. And I think he needs that playing time with the number twos. So not only can you see what there is there, but that you can also develop them. Um, I'm all, I'm all in Sean Clifford QB two. There's no other reason to go in any other direction. So I'm calculating. Does that mean Sean Clifford's going to make a huge contract in Seattle in a few years because Rogers and Favre both went to New York. And if he's Matt Flynn, he goes to Seattle, right? 
Geno Smith plays out what three or four more years, maybe with the team. And then he's sort of on the old end. They never really developed that quarterback. And then they've got to find a way, you know, to, to bring in another quarterback. And Sean Clifford's going to have a six touchdown game against the Detroit Lions in week seven, 18 at the end of the year. And then he's going to sign a huge contract with Seattle. It's going to be epic. So whoever's, whoever's a freshman at NC State then becomes the, the Russell Wilson. Sure. Average. Okay, sure we're, going right. we're, we're done here. We're done here. Go to number two, Alex, because we can keep going with this probably forever. <laughs> Uh, all right. So this past week for the first time, not in OTAs, not in mini camps, not in the first week of training camp, but in the second week of training camp, we had our first glimpse of Zach Tom at center with the number ones. Now things got slightly complicated because David Bakhtiari did not practice the remainder of the week, which made Yash have to play left tackle, which made Zach have to play right tackle, which put Josh Myers back at center. There seems to be a legitimate competition, assuming Bakhtiari is healthy, with Josh Myers at center, you have Yash at right tackle, and you have Zach capable of playing both. And two of those three guys are going to start, assuming everyone is healthy. My question, my statement for you guys is, Josh Myers will be the starting center week one, fact or fiction. Perry, you can kick this one off. The wheels are turning. Okay. Dramatic pause. I want... I have been, I think, a little bit more of like a Josh Myers stan than most people just because I really want to believe in him. And the reason I'm about to say what I'm about to say is because there have been like five botched snaps so far in camp. Yep. So I think that if there is a singular issue during a preseason game, that statement is fiction week one. Because you just have so many variables to deal with with a new quarterback, and you need to make sure, especially with the amount of starting caliber offensive linemen the Packers have on this roster, that that five is as solid and consistent as humanly possible for Jordan Love. And if you have a third-year guy in there who can't even get the snap off, like that can derail an entire game. Like not even to be dramatic. Like we've seen it happen even with an Aaron Rodgers where something goes awry and it fumbles and Jordan gets flustered. And then all of a sudden the defense picks up the fumble and goes in for a time. And then the game is just spiraling out of control. And the Packers games teams under Matt LaFleur, they don't do quite well when those things happen. And I'm getting like ahead of myself. But my point is, is that, if Josh Myers can't show that he can be a solid guy in the five and you have someone like Tom who has shown that he can be, you just have to go with that. And Perry, we don't have to go further back than yesterday's or than family night, uh, you know, on Saturday because two minute drill, they set the situation up. It's a tie game, two minutes remaining, three timeouts ball in the, I figured it was 25, 30 yard line, whatever it was for the offense. They have to go down and score the very first play of the two minute drill, Myers and Love can't handle the snap. It would have been a turnover and the drill would have been done right there. The defense would have won. The defense would have taken over in plus territory game over the other team wins. And that's yeah. literally just like the, the drill in family night where they couldn't handle the snap. And to your point, if that is fumble number one of training camp of, you know, from center to quarterback exchange, no worries. You're not stressing that that's number five, as you mentioned, and the common denominator there. Jordan Love was the quarterback three times. The backup quarterbacks were two of the times. All five were Josh Myers. And I I said this the other day, 
maybe Josh wasn't at fault at any of the five. I have no idea. I can't see. Uh, all I know is that there was a fumbled exchange and that the only common denominator is that Josh Myers was in on all five. And that can't happen. And I think it's a very valid point and something that's going to be worth very much monitoring through the remainder of camp in preseason. Alex, fact or fiction? Yeah, so, so listening to your post-Family Night podcast from yesterday, Andy, I, I'm Aww. really getting close to hitting the panic button on David Bakhtiari, right? I, I, like, I don't know. No. Uh, no. Well, not Bakhtiari overall, but his knee, right? Like, this is wacky to me. And I know it's early, and I know it doesn't matter, but it, it is starting to freak me I have me so out. many thoughts on this, by the way. This is not the an- the question, but, like, do we have a Bakhtiari question at some point? No. So let's let's. I, I I was I was. Oh, you don't want to put a pin in it. I want to take it. We're going to take a timeout from Factor Fiction because I think this is an important conversation because I think there is a lot of different thoughts out there. So Alex, you can continue, Perry, and then we'll we'll go from there. Well, I'm I'm interested to hear Perry's thoughts because I just you you did a nice job describing it in, in yesterday's show where where he was supposed to be back for family night. He dropped out of practice, didn't do family night. Now the lines all mix up, and it goes back to Perry's. I was going to refer to Perry's comment on continu- continuity across the offensive line. And it's weird to me that uh, that's not happening early, right? Because it's not like these guys are uh, attacking each other yet, right? The pads just went on. So I, I'm just a little bit concerned on, on Bakhtiari now missing, what is it, three or four practices in a row? Um, Dropped out Tuesday, didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday, didn't practice family night. So three and a half? I mean, that, that's it's just strange to me this early. Um, now, do I, I just hope we don't have another situation like we have the last few years. But Perry, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear your comments on this. Okay, I understand the panic because I think we have a little bit of PTSD when it comes to sure, David sure. Bakhtiari and we know how important he is. But I like to think of going into every season with a clean slate and I like to really like genuinely believe the coaches when they say that they're not concerned because I think Matt tends to be like, fairly honest if not overly cautious and so that's one two I just think like we've seen a lot of players who get vet rest days and we don't think anything of them like Mercedes Lewis barely practiced the last two seasons we don't think anything of it right and that's because he wasn't hurt he didn't have a nagging injury so why question a vet rest day and I'm not not saying like I think that's what this is I just think like David Bakhtiari is 31 years old and they just need to do what they need to do with his body. And if it looks different from everyone else, it just looks different from everyone else. He's a vet. He doesn't need as much practice potentially. Just like, you know, Aaron Rodgers used to say, I don't need to sling the ball as much as I used to during the offseason. Like maybe that's just what this is. And they're being cautious with the knee. Um, if he says he's healthy and if LaFleur says he's healthy, then I'm just going to go with that for now until it becomes like an actual problem that I need to worry about I'm not gonna hit panic yeah I'm, I'm not smashing the panic button yet but I am my, my hand might be hovering a little bit people I, I mean, are pan- people are react. panicking and like I just think let it I don't know I just I, I I'm having a hard time articulating why I'm not concerned but I just think there's like a different you hit a certain point in your career I think where you just get a different level of treatment and care on the body and you don't want as much wear and tear. And I think that's just like, it just feels like that's what this is. So here's, here's where I'm at on it. And first of all, you know, to your point with Mercedes Lewis, I think the difference there was like, it it was a veteran rest day. Like it would be like a day and this is Bakhtiari basically being out for a week. So just a, a quick timeline here, right? So very first day of training camp, I, obviously I was in the, the press conference with Matt LaFleur before practice started. I got to ask the question of like, 
what's the plan for Bakhtiari? And he's like, clearly there's going to be a different cadence for, for David Bakhtiari and there's going to be rest days and we're going to do what's best for David. We know he can basically, I'm, I'm, you know, paraphrasing here, but we know he can play. We know he's one of the best players. You know, he'd probably go out on Sunday and dominate who's ever across from him. He doesn't need the, the rep, like so on and so forth. He's like, like, he basically spelled it out. This is going to be an ongoing, we're going to take it day by day sort of thing and just do whatever's best for David. So we knew ahead of time. All right. So then like all of a sudden, like a couple of days later, he has his rest day or whatever. And then Bakhtiari, and then like the, the question gets asked again is like, oh, you know, Bakhtiari missed practice yesterday. Was that part of the rest day? And then like another one and they get asked again of like, was Bakhtiari part of the rest day? And so Aaron Nagler and I were on the sidelines and, and Wallers was there. And it's like, is this going to be like a normal thing where we every single day start asking about David Bakhtiari and, and was he hurt or was it whatever? And Wallers was basically like, if, if there's an injury, you will be you, like, you guys will know about it. We will tell you guys about it, so on and so forth. So that, and that was my initial th- thought too, of like, all right, we, we don't need to ask about David Bakhtiari every single day. We know that this is going to be a different cadence for him and so on and so forth. Where I think things changed for me a little bit, not to the cause of panic or cons- legitimate, like hardcore concern or anything, but this going into this week, there was a question again about Bakhtiari and Matt LaFleur basically answered it, that they were working their way backwards from family night, meaning they wanted Bakhtiari to practice on family night and they were going to go there every other so that he probably wouldn't practice on Thursday. Then he'd practice on Wednesday, probably wouldn't practice on Tuesday and so on and so forth so that they would have him available for family night. And literally his quote was like, they want to work their way backwards from family night. So they know he can go on family night. So then the fact that, he, he like quote unquote drops out of practice. That's not abnormal because Bakhtiari had in other days has dropped out of practice again, quote unquote dropped out of practice. Like basically it's just like, they're going to give him so many reps and then they're going to hand it over to Yash basically at left tackle. And that's, that's sort of been the status quo. So he, he stopped practicing, probably met his reps for the day, but then didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday, and then didn't practice family night. That was the first time for me where it's like, okay, their initial plan was to work their way back from family night where they wanted him to practice. And now he didn't practice all week long. And that's like, it's not necessarily like, again, a panic. It's just a slight alarm bell of like, this was not what they expected at the beginning of this week. Now, Matt LaFleur answered this in his press conference after family night, said, no, quote, no concern. And this could be the way the year goes. Now, those are two very different parts of a a sentence that he's using all together, right? No concern. So apparently there's no legitimate concern for Bakhtiari, but this could be the way the year goes. Now, does he mean from a practice standpoint, like you just might not Absolutely. practice at like right. almost all, which fine. I'm totally cool with, cause he's going to be dominant on the field. Or is this going to be a situation where like family night was like the game and they might learn on the night of the game that he's just not capable of going on that day. And I, I, I don't know. And I would love to give the benefit of the doubt. Like you were saying, Perry, of just like, they say there's no concern. So there's no concern, but through the year and a half of Bakhtiari watch where he was not able to go. I don't know how many times we heard he's progressing, he's ramping up or confident he's going to be able to go at so-and-so time. And then he was out for a year and a half. So like, I, I don't know. I I'm not at the cause for panic or anything yet, but I do think things have changed just slightly enough where it's a little bit more on my radar now than it was at the beginning where I was just like, clearly there's going to be a different cadence for Bakhtiari and we're cool with that. And we don't need to check on it every single day. Long story. Sorry for the, the long story. 
No, that, that was good. Uh, the context was important. Uh, anyway, fact, yeah. Josh Myers will be the starting center week one. <laughs> Perry, any other thoughts on Bakhtiari before? I was going to ask. I was like, we didn't even get Alex's answer. Um, I think the – I didn't know, like, the timeline that was said about his practice. So, like, I get it a little bit more. I don't know. I'm just trying – choosing to be optimistic. Stay positive. And, and that's cool. Yeah. Man. Again, if the, the initial words out of, of Matt LaFleur's mouth is no concern, then I'm more leaning towards there's no concern. But I do think there was a slight yeah. change in in what they were expecting. And again, that just is like, mm, let's just kind of keep an eye on this a little bit. But yeah. yeah, I mean, but that also could mean like we set certain expectations and now we need to adjust those expectations. And that's just how it be. I don't know. I, I think I will start getting concerned when it's – the season and he's not practicing. And I think that's, I think that's mostly fair. Um, so, so Alex fact, Josh Myers is going to be starter week one Perry <laughs> fiction. If he can't fix the fumbling problem or the yeah. snap problem. All right, deal. I'm going to say fact. I think he does end up being the starter week one, just because there is sort of the continuity. And if, if Josh Nyman might have to play some at left tackle in practice, because Bakhtiari is not out there. I, I'll just say it's fact for now, but I think it's on very thin ice at the moment. All right. Number three, Luke Musgrave will be the best rookie tight end in Packers history. Now to put the expectations into place for you, the bar is not very high. <laughs> Franks arguably had the greatest rookie tight end season in Packers history with 34 catches for 363 yards and a whopping one touchdown. So that is basically the best tight end rookie year in Packers history. We've seen some really fun stuff from Musgrave. He's been tight end one since the opening days of OTAs and mini camps. So Alex, I think it's you this time. Luke Musgrave will be the best rookie tight end in Packers history. So that's what, two catches and like 25 yards a game? <laughs> Basically, yes. I'm going to go with fact, Andy. I think Luke Musgrave is going to have a nice year. I'm not going to – I think I've said on previous podcasts, I think he's going to be a front runner for offensive rookie of the year. Of course, that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Actually, a lot of bit tongue-in-cheek. But I think he'll have a nice season. I think that's totally doable for a guy that's, that's shown a lot of promise here early. Perry Goldstein. Yeah, hard fact. Love that. Um, I think he could like have a really quiet like first half of the season and still smash that out of the park. That's a right. pretty that's a pretty low low bar. Um I just like have really loved seeing his speed on the on the field. It's very, I think very fun. It's really fun. I, I think one of like my qualms with this team the last couple of seasons is like they've just had guys who are slow, right? You watch like some other teams and you're like, look at all that speed. I wish the Packers could get faster and they would get a couple of guys who are faster. And then it never ended up really, really working. Like MVS was super fast. Him and Rogers just like never really put it all together. And now they have a bunch of guys who are fast and not just fast, but like large humans like Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave are really large humans, really fun mismatches. And I think, I think Matt LaFleur is going to have some really fun stuff cooked up for them. I'm going to go fact as well. And this isn't anything that's going to help his stats, but one of my favorite things from family night was on the big play in the two minute drill, to Christian Watson for the touchdown. It's Luke Musgrave sprinting up the seam and both safeties going right towards Luke Musgrave because they're threatened by him up the seam with his size to make it so that Christian Watson with his size and speed is one-on-one -on -one wide open yeah. in the corner of the end zone, not wide open, um, but you know, contestant, he's able to go make the play. Um, and the fact that that's the safeties are watching Musgrave on that play, scream up the seam. 
that's that's what has me excited and jazzed up. And not like not only that, but opportunity, right? There was a three-play sequence yesterday, and unfortunately, two of them were incomplete due to some inaccurate passes. But a three-play sequence to start team activities, they go tight end screen Musgrave, crossing route Musgrave, seam route Musgrave, like three straight plays. So they're they're gonna look to him too. I think it's a hard fact. So I'm I'm saying Luke Musgrave, best rookie tight end in the history of the Green Bay Packers. All right, number four. There's a lot of potential breakout candidates on this on this defense for Green Bay. Some players who really need to step up potentially, some high draft picks. We have seen Devontae Wyatt start exploding into backfields, winning in his one-on-ones, and in fact, dominating in his one-on-ones. Had a couple more pressures on family night the other night. So, Perry, fact or fiction, Devontae Wyatt is going to be the breakout player on the Packers defense. Oh, dear. There's so many options. There are. We emphasize the V. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. He didn't, he didn't do anything last season. I don't know. I don't know. Alex, um, do, you want, do you want to steal from Perry? Do you want to? Do you have a hard take here? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been high on Wyatt, but but I'm going to actually say fiction because I just think there's so many other sexy candidates, right? Like, I don't even know if Quay Walker counts as a breakout candidate because everybody's so high so. on him. But but I, I think Quay so. Walker's yeah, yeah. going to have have the biggest jump of anybody on that defense. I, I guess in this in this case from year one to year two, but really last year to this year, I think Quay Walker is going to be the guy. I'm I'm so high on him. I think everybody on that defensive staff is so high on him. So that's not to say Devonte Wyatt won't be a breakout candidate, but I I think Quay Walker will be the breakout candidate. All right, Perry. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think, sure, let's just go with fact, just to be the opposite of Alex. Um, I just think also, like, opportunity-wise, like, they're going to be leaning on him a lot. And he's he's getting a lot of... <laughs> I'm not going to yes. flash this up. Can you just have that? Amazing. Ready? Yes. That's our um, that's our high tech uh, like graphics that we have designed for the show. Alex <laughs> flashing a purple flashcard where he wrote opportunity for those listening. Yeah. All right, let me. I'll go, I'll put some analysis to it. Right, you think about who he has on the line with him, 
and you've got Kenny and maybe even LVN and all the, yeah. And all the outside linebackers. And you're just thinking, well, he's got a ton of support, right? This isn't like an individual one man situation, like a Quay, right. Where he's kind of out manning the middle field, having to make quick decisions, like on his own, obviously they play as a team, but you know what I mean? Like position wise. Um, So, you know, Kenny's getting double teamed and the outside linebackers are, you know, forcing the pressure I think why it gets a lot of opportunities to have that breakout. So there you go. We'll go with that. I think probably Alex, the smart money is on fiction just because you have so many different options across like that are capable of having a breakout season, but I'm going to go with Perry. I'm saying fact, he's going to be the breakout player in the Packers defense. All right. <laughs> num- I, I will never uh, real quick. I will never complain about a former first round pick being a breakout. <laughs> yeah, breakout right. There's answer. no wrong answer. I am not going to complain about your answers though. Fair enough. I'll take it. All right. So for the first time this week, we also saw really a fourth addition to the potential starting safety group. We've seen Darnell Savage, uh, with the starters, we've seen Tavarius Moore, we've seen Rudy Ford, and for the first time this week, we saw Jonathan Owens. Now, a little bit more backstory. We saw Dallin Levitt for a couple plays, but I don't think that's a realistic option. Innis Gaines is primarily a corner now, and a- uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. has not shown, um, at least thus far, that he is anywhere near that conversation for starting safety. So at, at this point, it seems there are four potential guys in Ford, Savage, Owens, and more. So my my fact or fiction for you guys and i don't even i think alex is up first even though perry passed the last time so you took the baton from me actually that's fair that's fair all right either way alex you're going first uh jonathan owens will be the starting safety week one one of the Uh, starting safeties it's such a fun story but i gotta go fiction um i i really like him and obviously seeing his wife uh when a uh when when a I guess, what do you call it? A gold medal? It's not a gold medal. Well, she won a thing over the weekend in gymnastics uh, because she's the best of the it's world. Gold, but, it's, 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 she won three gold medals, actually. See, that shows you how much I'm paying attention. I saw it on Twitter, though. So shout out to Simone Biles. Um, we claim her now as, as a Packer fan. But uh, it's a fun story. I, I like him. I, I liked what he did in Houston. Obviously, has a lot of a lot of experience. But I, I think it's Rudy Ford and, and Darnell Savage. I think those will be the two guys at that safety spot. So I'm going to go fiction, but I do think he'll see a lot of time and he'll play a big role in this defense. I, I'm more confident in him today than I was even two weeks ago. I like it, Perry. So just to be clear, this was her return to competitive gymnastics since she dropped out of the Olympics and she won the U.S. Classic, and it was a very big deal. Thank if you, you need more gymnastics facts, please come to me, former washed-up competitive <laughs> gymnast. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I also say fiction, uh, just because I think Rudy Ford as the vet, I don't know, you know, you know what I mean by that. The the guy who's been on the team the longest like should probably get the nod for week one, unless something happens in preseason where Jonathan Owens just like totally shows out and they're like, this guy should just stay on the field. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a starter at some point during the season. I agree. I'm going to say facts. Jonathan Owens Ooh. starting safety week one. I think he's been the best of the group so far, including Darnell Savage. So um, <laughs> the I'm bar not, is also low. Yeah, that's low. true. That's true. Hey, honestly, 
magic eight ball it pick two names out of a hat it probably doesn't matter uh you've got two like that are probably basically like okay safeties no matter what you do uh but we'll see i'm gonna say jonathan owens so real quick andy it's good to hear that through two weeks of training camp your tune has not changed as to what it was in june uh when it comes to the safety group just pick two names on a hat and you're probably good to go yeah i just don't know that there's a huge differentiator between any of them is is probably more where i'm at you know Tavares moore's made some plays jonathan owens has looked good in coverage and coming up and supporting the run I don't know. We'll see. Savage has done nothing of note. He, I mean, unfortunately, I think that's just who he is at this point is the same Darnell Savage we've seen, you know, for the last couple of seasons, which is very disappointing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, w- I would say if I were to, if I, and again, far be it for me to be the person who gets to choose, but I would, if I were to had to start a player today, I think I would have Jonathan Owens in that starting group. I might start Owens in more, honestly. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. And I guess I don't know that it matters all that much. Number six, we got to get through these. So number six, Perry, we'll let you start this time just for funsies. Uh, Anders Carlson will be the Packers kicker all year long. And he clearly had some struggles in training camp this past week, missed a lot of kicks, and then goes to family night and absolutely crushes it. So there's been some ups and downs, which we've sort of expected from a rookie kicker. I think probably more downs than we were hoping for or maybe expected. Maybe this is the bounce back he needed. But Perry, Anders Carlson will be the Packers kicker all season long factor fiction fact i talked about this on packs which he said i am as least concerned about his woes as you can possibly be (laughs) i think like if other rookies get to have like grace periods for like certain level of like you know rookie that's the word i'm looking for just like accident learning curve yeah learning curve then he he deserves it too now granted his concerns are, you know, like his issues can very quickly become team wide, you know, wins or loss issues. So sure. Like I'm not saying that he gets this grace through far into the season. However, he obviously showed why they drafted him during family night. Like he was booting them, right? Maybe just took being under the lights. Maybe it just took being in that crowd. Maybe it just took actually kicking where he's going to be kicking on Sundays to get something into gear. But um, yeah, I'm going with fact. I'm not really that worried. Alex? Yeah, the bright lights came on at Lambeau Field on Saturday and he crushed it, man. Uh, I was impressed for for a guy, again, I've I've been hard on uh, a draft pick that I've been hard on this year. A guy that wasn't very good in college, right? But neither was Mason Crosby, and that that worked out all right. So uh, I I think it's a fact. I think they're going to keep him around unless something totally crazy happens, to Perry's point, if he's losing games, right? And he might be in situations where that could be the case, right? I mean, this is an inexperienced offense, a first-year starter quarterback, where it might come down to a kick. Several games might. So if he's losing two or three games in a row, maybe that won't be the case. But but I feel comfortable, especially after family night, not to overreact over one practice, but I, I feel comfortable enough where I can say that's a fact. I'm going to say fact as well. He, they spent a draft pick on a premium pick for a kicker, yep. for being honest. And I think they're going to live with the lumps. It, if he all of a sudden starts you know, losing games for the team, then maybe they have to go in a different direction. But I think they'll get it together, and I'm going to say it's a fact. I think he'll kick well enough that they'll keep his upside through the remainder of the season. And even with a couple of hiccups here or there, try to work through him to see if he can get through it and be even better going into 2024. All right, this Packers wide receiver depth chart, very, very interesting. 
you have five guys, in my opinion, that are going to make the team in some capacity. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samore Touré, and then Dontavian Wicks based on his draft position and even some of the things Matt LaFleur said about him in his post-practice press conference yesterday. It just leads me to believe he's going to be on the roster as well, which leaves Malik Keith, Bo Melton, Grant Dubose, who hasn't practiced yet because of the injury, but it was a seventh-round pick. Seen a couple of nice things from Deuce Watts, and then you've got your Cody Crest, Jadakis Bonds, Dre Millers, etc. But you had, you know, really uh, Bo Melton, who's had a couple of nice weeks of training camp, has made some big catches, has looked really good in one-on-ones. Meanwhile, Malik Heath, who tore it up in OTAs and minicamps, has had some struggles at times in training camp, but had a couple of really nice catches this week. My factor fiction for you, Alex Strofe, Malik Heath will earn a roster spot on the initial 53-man roster. Fact or fiction? Oh, this is a fun one, Andy. Oh, man. It's just so early that I I don't feel super comfortable making a hot take. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say fiction. I think Bo Melton wins that sixth spot. And I think they're going to carry six. I think a guy like Grant Dubose might end up on the the, the P squad or, or somewhere else. So I will go fiction. I'll take Bo Melton and his experience. But... Who the hell knows at this point? We haven't even had a preseason game yet. So, so I'm just going to go against the grain here. We're going to hold you to this. This is going to be yeah. – we're going to play this every single week on the introduction of whether or not you get the Malik Heath question right or wrong. Perry, what are your thoughts? I feel similar to Alex. I'm like, I got to probably see some preseason games. Like, you're the one that's at practice. I don't know. I see his name a ton on Twitter. Uh, people seem to be really pumped about what he's putting on the field. Like – do I care all that much about wide receiver six? Like, just not really. <laughs> Sorry. That's how um, you're we haven't had any real. So sure. You got to carry, care about wide receiver six. All right. I'll take this okay. one. So I'll go, I'll go with that. Sure. I'll go with fact. Um, since I'm the only one nerding out about wide receiver six, I'll, I'll go fact. I think Malik Heath earns the spot, although I think Bo Melton very much in the conversation. I think if Dubose can get back, I think he can hopefully get in the conversation as well. But, um, yeah, I, it wouldn't even shock me if they really liked Melton and Keith if they just kept seven. Uh, and I think there's some a couple different ways that they could ultimately do that. But um, yeah, I'll say Malik Keith earns his way into the 53-man initial 53-man roster. So fact. All right, if you didn't love wide receiver six, you are going to love running back number three. So <laughs> I will set you up, though. Going into this week, Matt LaFleur asked about running back number three. And verbatim, he says, it's not about running it's about pass catching. It's about pass protection. It's about special teams. Brian Gudekinst asked about running back three this week, verbatim, without hesitating, says it's not about running. It's about pass catching. It's about pass protection. And it's about special teams. Both of them, identical answers. You've got Tyler Goodson, who is, in my opinion, clearly looked like the best running back of the number three guys in practice so far. 39-yard touchdown run in live tackling activities this week. So it's not like they were two-hand touching at that point. They were going full-on live tackling. He breaks a 39-yard touchdown run. In a two-minute drill, he takes a little check down and explodes up the field for like a 40-yard-plus completion on a play uh, in in two-minute, which was huge for the the Sean Clifford-led offense that day. And he's had he's like like quick as a hiccup. Uh, the the old-fashioned quick as a hiccup, he's looked fantastic. But doesn't really play teams. Not really a pass protector. He can catch the ball of the backfield well. They've done a little bit of the Tyler Irvin role with him. Meanwhile, Patrick Taylor on special teams. In fact, on a lot of the primary special teams. You know what he's really good at? Pass protection. Is he a dynamic, great running back? Nope. 
But we heard from the GM and the coach, that's not what they're looking for because Dylan and Jones are going to get all the carries anyway. You've got Emmanuel Wilson, really fun undrafted free agent. Looks like he can pass protect, catch the ball a little bit. Haven't seen him on teams yet, but I think that's something that he could potentially do. Um, and then Lou Nichols hurt this week, but sort of same thing. He cannot catch. He can't catch anything uh, at this point. Hands <laughs> have been really bad, but I think he's going to be okay as a pass protector. He's got a little bit of juice as a runner. <laughs> I know I love you. I did not have Andy dunking on Lou Nichols on my pack of a bingo no, card. Can't catch. Yeah, I, I've, so seen him drop like, I've seen him drop like eight or nine. I think passes already in practice. It's not been great. <laughs> But everything else he seems pretty decent oh, at. That's funny. But my question, my, my fact or fiction for you, enough about running back three. Perry, <laughs> Tyler Goodson will be running back three to start the season. Fact or fiction? Well, if he can't pass protect and he doesn't play teams, then fiction. Right. <laughs> Just like, he's the yeah, I, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. And while I have seen so many good things and I know he's a bit of like a camp darling based on the coach and the GM are looking for. They're liars. You, what? <laughs> <They're> liars. <laughs> you have to go. Probably not. I actually am like, maybe this is a little bit of a hot take. I'm actually not in love with any of the potential running back three options. I, I don't know. Like, what do I know? I know. Um, so who knows? Maybe they sign, they do one of those like late free agent signings and we get like Zeke Elliott. <laughs> I'm not doing Zeke Elliott. Elliott I did not. Fiction. I didn't think before I said that out loud. <laughs> Zeke <laughs> Elliott's too old to, to be on this roster. Um, I'm joking. Right. I'm if, joking. If you two listen to anything, anything I've said the last two years. Yeah, I don't even need to ask you. You're yeah. no, we, know, we know you love him. What are we doing? It's a fact, of course. I'm riding or dying with Tyler Goodson. Just like uh, I'm, muting, I'm muting Alex Trof. I muted him. We know that he's fact. I'm done. Tyler Goodson is his favorite player in the history of the world. We don't even need to give him the floor on this one. Yes, Alex Trof is saying fact for Tyler Goodson. Um, I am going to say I'm actually more leaning with Perry than I'd like to admit. Uh, I, will say, I, I will say fiction just because what are the coach and the GM are saying? They're basically saying, and also I think that I wouldn't shock me at all if they did the same thing they did last year and went with two running backs to start and pull up a guy from the practice squad. And just because I think they will legitimately like Patrick Taylor uh, but based on the things that we just talked about, but I don't think anyone else in the world is claiming Patrick Taylor. So you know where he's going to end up probably on their practice squad with the ability to call up. And I think they're probably going to look at everyone else and be like, well, we can cut Wilson and Nichols and Goodson. We'll probably get two of them back if we want. And maybe even three, like any of them that we want, we can get back on the practice squad. But I would keep Goodson if it were me. I'm going to say it's fiction, though, and I hope I'm wrong. All right. Last two, really quick. Odds makers right now in Vegas have the Packers as the least likely team in the NFC North to make the playoffs the least likely team in the NFC North to win the NFC North and the least likely team in the NFC North to win the Super Bowl. So Alex Stroh, fact or fiction, the Packers will finish last in the NFC North. It's fiction. Uh, they'll finish third, I think. Um, although I, I don't love the Detroit hype and I, I don't know what's going on in Minnesota, although they are hanging on to Daniil Hunter now. Uh, I will say the Packers finish third. I think it's going to be an up and down year, probably somewhere in the six, seven win range. Um, I think this division is going to be bad. I, I think it's going to be like the NFC South a year ago where a team can probably win eight or nine games and win the division. But um, we'll see. I, I, I'm not ruling anything out, but I just feel like it's definitely more third than last. I still have no faith in Chicago, but maybe that's just me being a Packers fan. Hard fiction. This team's going to come in second. 
That's how I feel. I Because I agree, Alex. You start looking at all the other teams and you're like, well, are the Bears going to be good? And what the hell is happening with Minnesota? And, like, the Lions are the Lions, right? Because, yeah. like, the Lions to me are the favorite. However, they're the Lions, right? They've been good <laughs> before. So if you're a Lions fan, you have, like, PTSD from, like, Lions hype, right? And then who's left? The Green Bay Packers. So there's no way. I will, like, eat so much crow. But, like, I would be really surprised, really surprised if they're fourth in the division. I agree with fiction as well. They're not finishing fourth. They're probably not going to finish first, but they ain't finishing fourth. They're going to be in that nice meaty part of the curve, somewhere right in the middle, second or third, three, you know, 2.0 average, C's get degrees. That's where we're heading for the Green Bay Packers (laughs) this year. All right, number 10, last and final one. Where are we starting with this time, Alex? Is it? No, it is Perry. All right, Perry. Perry Goldstein, fact or fiction, you feel better about Jordan Love right now than you did before the start of training camp. Fact or fiction? Fact. Easy fact. Yeah. I think he's shown enough growth. Like, look, am I saying I think he's like the next coming of Jesus Christ? Like, no. But has he <laughs> shown... What was, a- again? What was it like? He, he was putting to the like a, he had a laser rocket arm, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's no Tim Boyle laser show, but... Um, I think he's shown enough growth, in my opinion, that I continuously feel better. And I think his flashes are really beautiful. And sometimes his flashes aren't like what you exactly think that they are. But then you see, you know, the touchdown to Aaron Jones last night at family night and you see that arm angle and you're like, oh boy, I love that. So do I expect him to be like amazing in his first season? Of course not. But I feel great about the trajectory. Alex, fact or fiction, you feel better right now about Jordan Love than you did before the start of training camp. Let me preface it with this. I don't feel worse, but it's fiction. Um, I I can't put as much stock into practices as I want to. If you ask me this question again in two weeks when we record, and we have two preseason games under the belt, I hope my answer is fact. But right now, I just, I, I feel pretty much the same. Maybe, maybe a teensy bit better. But I feel pretty much the same as I did two weeks ago. And I like Jordan Love. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be serviceable. And I think he'll get better throughout the the course of the regular season. But I try, especially with this position, I try not to put too much stock into just the practices, right? And, And Perry, you alluded to that sidearm throw, which was sexy by all means. But if that was live bullets, he's getting sacked, right? So I I, I go back and forth. So I've seen some things I really like. But I've also seen. I I get where you're coming from. I 100% get where you're coming from. And I'm definitely like, you can, if you follow me on Twitter, you've noticed I've been very quiet because I'm just not trying to like overhype myself like Alex over practice. Like, I want to see. Overhyping things. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. You haven't been. But I just like, I want to see like a couple of games because I completely agree with you. The reason why I say fact is because I think he looks better than what I was expecting to see from him going into camp. Like my expectations were really low. That's fair. And I guess if they were very low, then I I totally get why you're saying this is a fact. There's only two things, by the way, that I've overhyped at all in throughout the entirety of training camp. Number one is former Iowa Hawkeye and current and to be third string running back, Tyler Goodson, God (laughs) almighty himself. Number two is the idiot that is the president of the Green Bay Packers by the name of Mark Murphy and all of these idiotic and stupid comments he's made the last couple of months. Those are the only two things I've consistently overhyped over the course of this training camp. And I love both of those things for you. I'm saying fact as well. It's not by a ton, but I am uh, overall 
very pleased with his decision-making and his ability to go through his reads and know where to go with the football. The accuracy needs to get better. He needs to hit on some of those deep throws. I think he will. I really do legitimately think he will. I don't think this is just he's doomed to being an inaccurate passer moving forward. I think he's just still trying to get on the same page with a bunch of really young receivers, and they're trying to get the timing down, and I think that's going to happen. But um, the the inaccuracies, like I said, need to get a little bit better. But He's very much avoided turnovers so far. He's very much made really great decisions with the ball, knows where to go with it, knows his checkdowns, knows the second and third reads, knows when he can scramble, knows when he needs to keep his eyes down the field. And that stuff is very, very um, you know, promising for me as he takes over. And maybe I could argue that maybe the, the ceiling is slightly lower than I expected going into camp, but I think the floor is significantly higher than I thought going into camp. So That's I'm good. I like that. that. I will say the one thing that has very surprised me, which I wasn't necessarily thinking about at all, was just like how much he has stepped into the role with such ease. Um, like you think about like the footsteps that he's following in and he could be, and he's been so quiet. Like you've heard nothing from him. You don't know his personality at all. Like I know barely anything about this dude. And now all of a sudden he's like, plastered everywhere interviews everything and he's just it just feels like he's like molded into it in a way that like I really wasn't expecting and the guys are so behind him like so behind him and it doesn't feel disingenuous at all so I think when you like go into a season with like the amount he has on his shoulders and like the way that he's carried himself and the way that this team has rallied like I feel like he's being set up for success that is a very good point yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean anything from like uh, how he progresses through the season or like wins or losses. But I agree with you in the fact that it, it feels sort of right. Like, doesn't it? it feels like he's like supposed to be the starting quarterback right now. And I love his demeanor. I love the way that he has taken hold of the QB one. I love the command of the offense that he has. And right now it feels right. And, and what that amounts to and how good of a quarterback he can be and what the win loss record is. And there's a difference between like walking the path of a starting quarterback and actually finding ways to wins in the national football league. Right. Like that is the next challenge for Jordan and what he's going to have to do by leading this team. But so far it feels right. And I think that's a really important step in the right direction. Love feels right. Andy Herman, 2020 quote unquote, did you say 2020? So 2023, right, but that's good. That's a distinction. Well, you could have said in 2020 when he was drafted. I don't know. That's <laughs> true as well. Perry, final thoughts, anything uh, on your mind on training camp or anything you want to get out in the ether before we head out? I just need some real football now. Family night just got me like really, really amped up for, I want some tackling. I want some sacks. I want some pads. I'm ready. Alex. I cannot wait. I'm right there with Perry. It's it's this week. We are here. We have arrived. I appreciate everybody for sticking with us as we broke down the seventh round draft picks a few months ago. And now we have real football to talk about uh, coming off of family night on Saturday. So it is here. We made it, friends. We're here. In two weeks, I'll be back with Perry and Alex talking about who will win the 10th offensive lineman position going into <laughs> roster breakdowns. Um, I'm going to have them do their homework ahead of time. So start doing your 10th offensive line. Like, you might want to start like looking at Luke Tenuta in pretty great detail if I were you guys, just as a heads up. But uh, I don't even know who that is. These- I'll be back with these guys in two weeks. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. Follow Perry Goldstein at Perry underscore Goldstein. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Strofe. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Follow Pax, which he says as well, uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. But until next time, and as always, go Paco. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.